The saga continues. Ohio State has two quarterbacks and zero starters, and Ryan Day seems more okay with that than ever before. Welcome back to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for Snap Judgments on the podcast. That is Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. Uh, Bill, what do you make of the latest from Ryan Day? Can I can I start with? Can I, I want to ask you guys a question? Okay. You can do whatever your you want. your level of concern that they're going to mess this up. One one to ten, one be, or zero being none, ten being house on fire. One, I just I I, I trust implicitly Ryan Day's decision making ability when it comes to picking his quarterback. Now, uh, you know we were talking before we went on camera. Like, does that mean that that guy's going to be infallible? Does it mean he's going to be Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud? Absolutely not. The player still has to go out there and do the job. But as far as the process goes, I am going to give Ryan Day the benefit of the doubt and say I think that he's earned that. And when you have two guys who are in so many ways the same, um, uh, you know, there obviously are some athletic differences and, and maybe, uh, you know, Devin's a touch more explosive and, and, and Kyle maybe is a bit more solid, a steady hand, then you have to do some, some nitpicking, I guess, to figure out what you want out of your quarterback. But Bottom line, I think Ryan Day has earned the right to say, I'm not ready, and we're going to go a little bit longer. Yeah, I don't think that's wrong, but I still would put it more like at five. Like, hmm. I'm not, because I'm not sure. And the reason has nothing to do with Ryan Day's track record with quarterbacks, his ability to evaluate them, to develop as many as he has inside this building. When you're dealing with people 18 to 21, and trying to manage some of the emotional parts of that, I think that becomes a lot more challenging. And that also includes, even as steady and even killed as Ryan Day can be, he's going to have to try and remove some of that from himself. Not only is he managing the the psyche of Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, but also his own and Brian Hartline and Corey Dennis. Like Everyone is going to have strong of opinions about how this should play out. And that's that's natural. That comes with the territory. I think Ryan Day is more likely than not to get it correct, but to go. But you said five. Yeah, that well, means because it, that means as likely to mess it up or not. But I don't. I wouldn't blame Ryan Day for that. I think he's doing the best he can in this situation, which has become a lot more competitive than he would have thought going into August. I think we can all agree on that, right? But if you think that you're going to go on the road against the team that will throw every blitz imaginable at a new offensive line and not not one but maybe two first-time quarterbacks that's not a recipe for success in my mind but he may not have any choice and i understand it i think no matter which one went out there in the first half against indiana i've said this all summer all spring it's gonna get a little rough that's gonna be the first time that they're encountering a lot of these things and if you then decide well i don't know those two drives weren't good enough they may need, like C.J. Stroud did against Minnesota, more time to settle into a rhythm. And if you take that away, that's the reason I'm I'm talking specifically about one game. I think it makes way more sense to pick a quarterback and go with it. Um, I, as we talked about on this morning's podcast daily, though, like there is the way the schedule sets up an opportunity, and you don't want to take much from Jim Harbaugh, but the way Michigan handled it a year ago may be the best way to handle this moving forward. And I, I, I don't think anyone would, would have really thought that two weeks ago. You know, I said it this morning. Like I, I felt like coming into this week that for some reason he wasn't going to make an announcement, and then he didn't. Uh, thank you, because I'm an idiot. Um, 
but you know, you brought up a name that's interesting here and that we haven't talked about at all in this process, and that's Brian Hartline. He's a first-year offensive coordinator, and I do wonder if this hampers him a little bit more than maybe we've talked about, or if it's an indicator that ultimately Ryan Day is still the offensive coordinator here, and he's, or maybe this gives him more reason to be the offensive coordinator than he had wanted mm-hmm. three months ago. All right, put a number on it, Bill. Yeah, I'm like near zero. I'm, just, I'm not. I, I and. I'll be happy to uh, be wrong about that if that ends up being the case. I just I think Ryan Day has a good feel for this. Um, I am confident in I guess two things: one that they're not going to screw it up, and that they will know who the starter is by the time they have to go to South Bend. And I have come around on the idea that they both need to play. Um, I believe that uh, it has been neck and neck. I think Ryan Day is more or less not giving us coach speak when he's up there. I think everything he said about the back and forth nature of this competition is true. And that at different points, it looks like one guy has pulled ahead and then he sort of regresses or the other guy comes back up, whatever. They're both playing at a high level that gives the coaching staff confidence that either one of them can win games. So then play them both and figure it out. Um, Devin has not played at all. You need to see Devin Brown in games um, or he has played, but like he's done nothing. He's had a ball off. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, like has played some, but I think you need to see more to him in games too. And the schedule allows you to, to get into that. I, I have minor reservations about doing that against Indiana for the reasons that Austin stated, for the reasons that it's a road game, it's a big 10 opponent, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't think you treat them the same way you're going to treat Youngstown state, but I don't think it's that much different either. Um, so play them both. I think they're both going to play against Indiana. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. He might name a starter next week, like tell us who's going to start first, but I think they're both going to play. I don't think that this Indiana matchup is on par with the 2021 trip to Minnesota, even, where Minnesota was yeah, returning 87 60-year seniors, mm-hmm. and you knew they had a you know an NFL running back and an NFL offensive line, and they could do things to control the game a little bit more than I think Indiana is going to be able to do. So you're going to rely on Jim Knowles' defense against Indiana to make sure that the Buckeyes are on track because the quarterbacks, to your point, likely won't be because they will be a little bit disheveled from, you know, you play three series and then you're out. You play three series. You know, that's going to be an interesting – Ryan Day is not going to do that. If, if he comes out and starts Kyle McCord in that game and Kyle comes out and goes 10 for 10 and three and three touchdowns in the first three series, I don't know that you have to play Devin <laughs> Brown at that point. No, if I think he, you do. I think you do. If you start Devin Brown and he does the same thing, then, you know, I think these are discussions that are evolving. We get so – we expect so often that coaches – Give us BS. And I, I agree with you. I don't think he's telling us like stories to keep people engaged. I, I think he would prefer to have a quarterback picked right now. Mm-hmm. And there's no value for him or for the program to lie about that. So if 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 he says it's neck and neck, then I, I don't think we have any choice but to believe him that it's neck and neck. Yeah, you guys asked me about that a couple of weeks ago, and I said that I didn't think that he was being entirely truthful about that. I didn't it didn't match up with what Again, from the smallest sample size of two practices, I didn't think that that was real, but it, it certainly has turned out that way. And uh, I don't think he would say things like, well, one week somebody looked like they were really pulling away and I felt like I was going to name them the starter. And then another week later, I felt the opposite and it was the other guy. There's no benefit for him to yeah. continue to do that. He's not out there just pulling rugs from under people for fun. Yeah. Because, that, because if he says it publicly to us, you know, I don't, he's not, they would hear that yeah. both Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. So you have to be honest about that. And I think that he is, be, he is doing that at this point. Like you can't, you have to take that at face value. And I am doing that where two weeks ago I was wrong to not. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious, Austin, cause you have been, 
I think you have been at times maybe a little more certain about the direction you thought this was going than Berm and I really have at any point, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Um, how has that changed at all? Like, do you, as right now, we're two weeks, less than two weeks away from a game, and we don't know who the starter is yet. We're talking about playing two guys. Like, how has your thought process evolved on who you ultimately think might be the quarterback? I think that Devin Brown has done more in this camp. Let me say it this way. As they've gone back and forth, there was a period in August where both quarterbacks were struggling, and I think that Ryan Day was throwing his hands up like, how can I motivate and get one to pull ahead of the other? And then both graded out a champion on Saturday. They've elevated their play. See, that's, for your point on concern 0-10, to that's probably a good mark in favor for both of you. Um, It has pushed both of them to get better. They have performed at a higher level, and I think that certainly Devin Brown deserves credit for that. Um, there's the part where Ryan Day was asked about the notion that you, in a tie, that you should play the younger guy. And I think Ryan Day wanted to more strongly push back against that than he did. They each have two years left of eligible. At, at least you, unless Kyle McCord was a starter and went out and was yeah. a, a Hall of Famer this year, then the odds are he's got two years playing in the system, and the same would be true for Devin Brown. Yeah, but uh, let's set that part aside. I, I think the reason that I felt as strongly after spring, after summer, early in camp, based on, again, seeing a small sample size, that matched up to my expectations that the tiebreaker would actually be experience and not betting on in-season upside or what would happen in 2024. Ohio State has to win at Indiana in 11 days, 10 days, I don't know, however many it is. And we can brush aside the, that Indiana, Soon. yeah, whatever day we are recording. It is a Monday. Whatever we can say about Ohio State's roster, dominance over the Hoosiers, everything else, like experience would matter more in trying to get that game, in my opinion, versus any long-term upside. So I, I don't know, Bill. I mean, I feel like that's probably still what's going to be the case when he picks somebody to take the first snap in Bloomington, is that you – you feel more comfortable with someone who's been in the system longer. Does that mean that it's if they play both, that it stays Kyle McCord ahead? I literally have no idea. They have to play the game. I, I think yeah. the interesting thing is that he mentioned so much. We, we, he was asked this question from 40 different directions on Monday. And some of it, you know, he's talking about you le- likely lean towards the guy that has experience. You also want the guy that's got the juice. So, like, that seems to be... Who's dir- got the juice? That seems to be directly contradicting each, you know, because he earlier said Devin Brown has a juice about it. Kyle McCord is a steady hand. Like, that. that is what they are. I think in some ways you don't get a true sense of Devin Brown's ability in camp because you're not hitting your quarterback. He's not doing a lot of the things in the playmaking realm that maybe you do instinctually on the field against somebody that's trying to knock your head off. So mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a, a case to be made that Devin Brown needs to be on the field in live action to see if if his upside is worth the the risks because he is a risk taker. And so you have to put him on the field and say, okay, Devin, show us what you can do and we're gonna weigh out whether or not your high-end explosive plays are worth more than that occasional throw where we're shaking our head. And I, I, Kyle, I think we all know that you're going to get a very steady guy, right? That is who he is. It's, and that's why we've all described him as a professional from the minute he got here, that he is going to be a professional quarterback. And that doesn't mean that 
Devin Brown's not a professional quarterback either. They're mm. just different styles. And I think that you can't get a true sense of this battle until you have somebody trying to kill them. That's that's where I'm at. I, that's why I said you need to play Devin a little more, more emphatically than you need to play Kyle. But I think the same is true for Kyle. Like He had a start against Akron. He's a totally different player now, different players around him. Like It's almost worth not even considering at this point. And all of his other action has been backup time where he's not really facing a ton of the stuff you're talking yeah. about. And they're not giving him all the offense to operate either. Then you need to put them both in a game where the other team wants to rip their head off, where they have the entire offense at their disposal and the full complement of playmakers in this offense at their disposal, and then like see what happens. And I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think they're in any jeopardy of losing a game especially the second two weeks of the season, but even the first week, first three weeks of the season they, when you're doing that. Ryan Day said it today, like, this is not the end of the race. And I I think we all, in especially in our business, like, I'm sick of talking about this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys are too. But there is a an overwhelming feeling of, well, this is going to continue to drive conversation for a couple more weeks. And, like, that's not what they care about. Like, he cares about getting it right. And if he mm-hmm. knew today that he could get it right, he'd make a choice. So that's <clears throat> the way I feel. Do you guys yeah. want to play a game? Yes. Who's going to be the starting quarterback at Notre Dame? Do you want to play a game? <laughs> um, Sam Hartman. He will be the starting quarterback for Notre Dame, presumably. Oh, maybe. Need to be more maybe. specific. It won't be Tyler Buckner. I know that what much. If, I think Navy might knock Sam Hartman out this week. Maybe Navy? We'll see. There there was more than just Ryan Day talking about quarterbacks today. Um, Let's what, save what, the defense for the daily tomorrow. This wh- is the this is the topic of the day. Oh, but I want to talk about Carnell Tate. Okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's pronounced Colonel. It's the highest right Bill, <laughs> Bill, you brought him up uh, on this morning's daily. Like, where does he fit? And it seemed somewhat interesting to me that unprompted to your question, Ryan Day said, "Well, Carnell Tate is continuing to impress." And you said, "You know, how does he fit in with the three receivers returning?" That's that's excluding Xavier, Xavier Johnson, Johnson in the yeah. fourth. Yeah. Um, and he was still brought up, and you know, I, I just. The kid's gonna play, and yep. it's I. It's fascinating. I didn't mean that as a slight to the block O. I just I don't view Xavier as like fitting into one of those three defined wide receiver roles. Yeah. He's more of that hybrid weapon to me. So that's not that was not a slight on Xavier Johnson, who's clearly very important to this team. But you don't talk about Carnell. It's like I just threw out a line. Hey, where are we gonna go here? And then the nibble was Carnell Tate, and we that was talk about Bruno. a little bit surprising. <laughs> yeah, I think any the irony is yeah, I've never they seen actually are talking about Bruno in that entire song. Oh, I've never seen. Oh. It. I don't even know what movie that's what from. What movie is that from? Encanto. We were in, in the ca- we were in the car yeah. on Saturday, and Liberty said, "Isn't it weird that the song says they're not supposed to talk about Bruno, but the whole song is about hmm. Bruno?" Weird. Wonder if that was by design. Insightful. Huh. Yeah, for a five year old, she's getting there. She's six now, bro. Ooh. She, that's right. My my B. Wow. Anyway, uh, Carnell Tate. Yeah, I, I I think the most noteworthy thing that happens in press conference settings is when coaches bring up names unprompted, um, and that's what happened with Carnell Tate. Like I, <clears throat> how's it happen? I I don't know. I think there's probably room to get him into the mix, certainly in a more significant way than the guys were last year as true freshmen. Partly because I think like you want to protect Marv as much as you can. You want to make sure you have him at the end of the season. Um, I think there's room to rotate. I think there's room to play him alongside those guys if they ever wanted to play four wide receivers at the same time. All four of the freshman wide receivers have lost their black stripe as of today when Brandon Ennis lost his. Oh, Bryson. I, I couldn't remember if Bryson, Bryson Rogers, Rogers lost his yeah, a yeah, few yeah. days ago. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty telling about that class and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And again, I hate to sound like a, a broken record, but when you're living in this new NIL era and you've got four receivers and they're from four different parts of the country, you got to find a way to get them involved because you don't get to just keep guys locked up in the in the locker room 
without playing and then hope yep. they're still going to be here three years from now when they have multi-million dollar NIL opportunities elsewhere. I guess that's true. But Welcome to the new world. I mean, Marvin didn't play at all until the Rose Bowl. But Marvin wasn't supposed to be good, remember? I remember a spring where everyone was like, Marvin Harrison just he, caught every touchdown was, in practice. But as a recruit, he was sort of like overlooked. On, I know that sounds stupid considering he was like the number 14 receiver in the country and you should not overlook someone. But when he what happened there, by the way? <laughs> I, I don't get to do rankings, but uh, it, it was clear. It was all Kyle McCord. When you look yeah, at a kid like that and you say, okay, he's six foot four and 180 pounds and his father's a Hall of Fame wide receiver and he's a four-star wide receiver, you could probably just give him a little benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, he's probably actually better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, no one expected that out of him. And he was obviously behind Jackson and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Like that's that's hard to to push into. For guys but that's like, the same thing here. I don't think it is because you have a Mecca and Marv, but Julian is still, despite a lot of expectation and a lot of talent, like he's unproven and he has not certainly been himself healthy enough to say, this is my spot. I think that there is an opportunity for Carnell Tate to say, no, that's mine. And it's our spot. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I think that's a, you know, there's no I in team. That's right. And there's no Julienne in I. The real lesson of Encanto is that everyone has a role to play and you're much better working together Mm. rather than alienating one. That's a lovely sentiment. Spoiler (laughs) alert. If you haven't seen Encanto, firm. Yeah, I have not seen it. But that's the message of every Disney movie. No, it's not about demons. Yeah. Um, hey, Bill, the offensive line seems settled. It sure does. Uh, Josh Simmons, call him Josh, by the way. Uh, left tackle, Donovan Jackson, obviously. Carson Hinsman, uh, the way it was to- expressed to us is, has like emerged as a starter coming out of camp. Why not just say it? But the <laughs> like we know he's just saying the starter. I know. Yeah, I, like he's got to start against Indiana. But like Vic Cutler was also mentioned, Matthew Jones and Josh Fryer with an addendum of Luke Montgomery, which I found interesting that. The addendum was up at the other tackle spot. It was at the right tackle spot. And maybe that means nothing. Maybe Ryan Day just wanted to make sure he said Luke Montgomery's name because he envisions him being important this year. But I think... Is I, he the I Buffalo? Think, What's that? Yeah, the Bison. The Bison. Buffalo. Um, bison. I think we knew American Bison last week who the five stars are going to be, and that was more or less solidified on Monday. That's the uh, offensive version of Snap Judgments. We are going to get into the defense after Jim Knowles' uh, conversation with the media on Monday in the Woody on the podcast daily for Tuesday morning, which we will record on Tuesday morning. I can assure you of that. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Stay with us for a lot more uh, coverage of Ohio State as we get inside two weeks to Ohio State at Indiana. That's Bill and Berm. I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.